you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Man, you guys look good. Actually, I'm lying. The lives are my eyes. I can't see a thing. But they always say the church reflects the pastor. So, hey, I thought y'all probably look good. We are so glad to have you in the house of the Lord today. God is good. Amen. God is good. We start a new sermon series today called Hard Knocks. Who's had a perfect life in here? Raise your hand. Not a soul. Not a soul. We've all gone through hard knocks. We've all gone, always gone through struggles. But can I tell you today that God is still at work in our lives. Amen. So for the next few weeks, we'll be talking about hard knocks. Those struggles. Those difficult times. We'll be talking about how you overcome those moments to move to the next level. What's the old saying? For every next level, there's a devil. Understanding that for some of you right now, you may be going through some rough times in your life, but if you hold on, stick, not give up, trust God. He's about to take you to a higher level than you ever thought or imagined. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today, as we begin this sermon series, I'm going to spend some time talking about the, the orphan heart, the orphan spirit. What many of us have as believers in our lives, we, we don't know who we are, who we belong to, who our Father is. Amen. So today we'll be talking about that. Before I get into my sermon, I want to say it's good to have today in the house with us Bishop Stuart Sherrill, the Bishop of the IPHC Heartland Conference. So good to have him today. I am his favorite preacher. And uh, I just felt that I needed to just be honest in church today and just say that. I'm his favorite preacher. Let me tell you a story I told to my brother this week. My brother is the director of the Falcon Children's Home. It's an orphanage, the biggest orphanage in North Carolina. And I was talking to him, and he had shared something with me that I didn't know. When he first got there as the director, he really was struggling. Did he make the right decision? Was he the man who could do the job? In fact, my father had told him before he went there, Joey Leggett, you don't want to do this. The place is declining. Is that the point of shutting down? Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. You're going to leave what you're doing to go there, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. So Joey was kind of struggling with the idea, did I make the right decision? Can I, can I bring this place out of the downward spiral that it's in? One day a girl came there, an eight-year-old little girl by the name of Laura. And Laura came with her brother who was one and a half and her sister who was three years old. They'd been taken from their home and brought to the children's home. The first time that Joey met Laura, Laura cussed him out. Eight-year-little-old girl in essence cussed him out. Anytime you would try to get around Laura's brother or sister, Laura would give you a mouthful. You better leave them alone. Don't you get near them. Joy really began to struggle. He said, oh, I can't even reach this little girl. Have I made a bad decision? 
God, maybe there's someone better that can come in and do this than me. And he really was struggling with the idea, was he the man cut out for the job? Was he good enough, worthy enough? That Christmas, they had a Christmas party for all the kids at the children's home. After the Christmas party, all the kids with their house parent has been walked back to the cottage where they stay at. Joy happened to be walking with him, and all of a sudden, he said, I felt a little hand grab my hand. And I looked down, and it was Laura. And Laura said, Mr. Leggett, this is the best Christmas I have ever had. And I'm sure with tears rolling down his face, Joy said at that moment, I was where God had called me to be. He said, but I also came to realization at that moment that there was a lot of orphans out there that needed to feel loved and need someone that there was, maybe the parent wasn't there, but there was someone there that loved them and they were not going to remain orphans, that somebody was going to care about them. And 15 years later, it's now one of the biggest children's homes in the state of North Carolina. They're changing lives because of a vision God gave a man. I tell you that story because as we begin this story on hard knocks and all of us have, have gone through difficult times. If you haven't gone through difficult times, then hold on, they're coming. I don't mean to beat you down, but I just want to be honest. But we've all gone through difficult times and tough times. We've all probably somewhere along our life felt and dealt with rejection abandonment issues, not feeling good enough, not worthy enough, that nobody likes us, that everybody has, has it going on. We're the only one that doesn't. And unfortunately, in the society that we live in today where we see everybody's highlight reels, see, that's the problem. We either see one of two things. We either see their highlight reels or their rants and raves. For the love of God, some of you, would you stay off Facebook? Especially as Christians, amen? Don't go as a Christian, go off on Facebook. It makes you as a Christian look horrible. But see, we see people's highlight reels and think, well, everybody's got a perfect life. It don't exist, and it's not real. So what I want to talk to you about today is, is dealing with an orphan heart. There's a wonderful book out by John Chasteen, and I, I read the book, and it deals about the orphan heart. And how most of what we as Christians, when it comes to feeling unworthy, undeserving, not good enough, Insecurities. Anybody have any insecurities in here? Raise your hand. Some of you ain't raise your hand because you're so insecure you can't raise your hand. The rest of you not raise your hand is because you're a narcissist, so forget you. I struggle with insecurities. Listen, I want you to know every Sunday, in fact, today, I got up, went to the, to the bathroom to start shaving. I look at myself in the mirror and say, God, is there not somebody better? Are you sure I'm the guy? There's got to be somebody better. I want to talk to you some today. In fact, I want you to look with me today at John chapter 14, verse 15. This will be the, the scripture, our theme scripture that will go throughout the whole series. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit 
of truth. Again, I want you to hear me right, right there. You are never alone. If you're out there today and you're feeling alone and all by yourself, I'm here to tell you the Spirit of God is with you. You're not alone. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. I want you to say that this week. You know him. You know. You know. For he lives with you and will be in you. Did you hear that? In you. Now here's what I want you to hear today. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. God, I, I pray that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. Let not one, not one, leave this house the same way that they came. But let them leave today knowing that they're not alone. They're not by themselves. God has not rejected them, but God is ready to receive them. That God has not abandoned them, but God wants to abundantly give them good life. I pray today, Lord, that you bless us in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Amen. And amen. You'll find throughout the scriptures men who have struggled with a, what we call an orphan heart or an orphan spirit. Jacob and Esau. We'll talk about Jacob many times, but what about Esau? He missed out on his birthright. His brother got it. Can you imagine how Esau was feeling? He felt rejected by his dad. He felt overlooked by his dad. We then have the story of Joseph and his brothers. We often look at Joseph, but we don't think about his brothers. It was very evident that his father looked more toward Joseph and loved Joseph, and Joseph was the favorite. Why? Because the brothers took him and threw him in a pit. We see the story of Saul. Saul always wanted affirmation. He was a people pleaser. Although being told not to do certain things, he would still do it anyway because he would rather please people than to please God. And not to mention Moses. Moses was always struggling with insecurities and an orphan heart not feeling good enough. In fact, when asked to set God's people free, he said, can you get somebody else? I'm, I'm not good enough. We see this throughout the, the scriptures, even, even Peter. Peter always struggled. And can I tell you, when someone struggles with, uh, many times with loneliness or an orphan's heart or rejection, it comes out in anger. Do you know that? Go look at Peter. Cutting off ears. Been a little racist sometimes when he was trying to make the, 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 the Gentiles act like the Jews. He was struggling. So I share this with you today, but probably the, one of the greatest stories that you'll find in the Bible that really deals with an orphan heart, rejection, abandonment, not feeling good enough, not knowing who and what you've got, not understanding who the father is, is the story of the prodigal son. As you begin to look at the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, let me kind of share this story with you. It's a, it's a story of a brother, and you've heard it before, but a, a younger brother comes to his dad, and he said, Dad, I want my inheritance. In essence, what the younger son was saying is, Dad, you're not dying fast enough. Let's speed up the process. Let's get it over with. You just need to move on, move out. Let me get what belongs to me. The father had split the inheritance between the younger son and the older son. And the Bible says that younger son comes and 
The father doesn't reject him. The father doesn't say no. The father, in essence, gives him his half of the inheritance. And the Bible says that the younger brother goes out and he squandles with all of his friends or so-called friends. Isn't it amazing you have friends when you got something, but when you don't, they ain't your friends no more? Then they were never your friends to begin with. Some of you know that right now. And I say that to you because I want you to understand once the friends are gone and he finds himself to be able to eat and take care of himself, he's working in a hog pen, which no right Jew would be doing something like that, but he's working in, in a hog pen, a pig pen. He's feeding them, and then he comes to the place and he finds himself actually eating what the pigs eat. And he comes to a realization. He said, my father, I want you to remember that part. He comes to a realization that my father's servants are taking care better than I am. I'll go back home and be a servant to my father. No longer a son. No longer a son. I'll go back and be a servant to my father. At least I'll eat a good meal. We know the story. The brother comes back. The younger brother's coming. The father sees him afar off, sees him coming. First of all, can I tell you, that becomes symbolic of God and us. God's always looking for us, watching out for us, no matter what we've done, where we've been, how many sins we've committed, no matter what has happened in our life. I want you to know that God never turns his back. God always loves us. God always wants us. Then we see something that doesn't happen in Jewish tradition. The Bible says the guy, the father jumps off the porch, heads toward the son and runs to him. That just didn't happen. And he goes and embraces his son. Symbolic of Jesus Christ with us that no matter what we've done, he will always be there for us. And in that story, what transpires in is that the father said, hey, hey, get him the robe. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a pate. And they have a pate. Pastor shouldn't even say that word, should he? And surely not like that. Pate. See, as we hear this, what do we learn about sonship from the younger son? First, we must recognize that we are sons and daughters. Amen. It unfortunately made the boy realize in the middle of the pig pen, unfortunately, that's what happens to us many times as believers. We get in our junk. Everything's gone wrong. And we realize how good we had it. And there was a God that loved us. But it makes him realize that, listen, my, even my, serve, my father's servants are taking care of better than I'm taking care of right now. He then sees his father for who he is. We must realize that we have been adopted into the family of God. We are not outsiders, but he has called us to be his sons and to be his daughters. He has adopted us and grafted us into the family. And let me go and throw something out there. It ain't because of what you did. It ain't because of how great you are. It's not because of the talents that you can give. It boils down to one thing, that Jesus loves you, that God is your daddy. And listen, because he is your, listen, there ain't nothing my kids can do that would I, I would ever disown them or not love them. No matter what, I would always love my kids. Don't get me wrong, there's sometimes I want to beat them. There's sometimes I just want to wring their neck. There are some times that I go, Really? 
But there's never a time in my life where I would ever say, son, daughter, or daughter's son, I don't love you anymore. You're out of the family. Can I tell you that I love them and always be there for them? God the Father is your father. He will always be there for you. He loves you not because you deserve it, but just because you are his child. If some of you would ever get that through your head and realize you're not, you're feeling unworthy, undeserving, you don't feel like God loves you. Oh, God loves everybody else. God accepts everybody else. God forgives everybody else, but God doesn't forgive me. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It ain't true. He loves you. Let me say this. There ain't no way God will love you anymore. There ain't no way God will love you any less. God will love you the same no matter what. Amen. I love my kids no matter what they do. If they mess up, I still love them. If they come and, and they've done something great, I still love them. Amen. There are some things I'm going to brag about them on, some things I'm just not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to keep it to myself. And it's the same thing with God, though. Same thing with God. He loves you and he wants to. I, I wonder sometimes if Jesus looks over to God the Father and says, did you see what Laurie Leggett did? Did you see what, Dad, that was good. And he's like, yes, son, I'm God. I saw what she did. Do we understand that God loves us and, and that he is our father? First of all, we must come to the realization, we must recognize that you are a son and daughter of God. You have been received, you have been redeemed, you have been reconciled, that God has called you and he loves you and you are a son and you are a daughter. Now let's go to the next part of the story. By that time, the Older son comes out from working in the fields. You know, he has stayed home. He has worked for his dad. But the son comes in. As the son comes in, what transpires is he begins to hear some music playing. And he goes to one of the servants, and he says to one of the servants, he said, what's going on? He said, oh, and he's all excited. The servant's all excited. He said, your brother has come home. Now, the servant misunderstood. He thought the brother would be excited. The brother wasn't excited. She said, let me get this right. My brother's home, the one that squandered his money, the one that told my daddy he wasn't dying fast enough, the one that left us to do all the work. He's come home, and I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me try to wrap my mind around this for a second. My dad has put on a party for him, a pate. And the servant's like, yeah. And the son's mad. He won't go in. He refuses to go in. Finally, the dad comes out. He says, son, what's, what's going on? He said, dad, let me get this right. That scoundrel, my, 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 my baby brother, you, I always know you liked him better than me anyway. You, you mean he goes and gets to take everything that belongs to him squanders it away and then comes home and you can receive him. And not only are you going to receive him and let him come home, you can give him a party. Dad, I've been with you all this time. I didn't leave. I stayed right here and I've worked hard. And in other words, let me tell you what he said. I've worked hard to get your approval. I've worked hard for you to like me. I've worked hard for you to see me. I've worked hard for you to realize I'm not him. And you ain't ever given me no party. And I've never had a fatted calf. And where's my robe at? And his dad says to him, son, 
all of that was always here and it always belonged to you. See, we learned from the older son that we must realize what we have as sons and daughters. The access, the blessings, the abundance, the joy, the peace, the security, the confidence, what we have as sons and daughters. You don't have to live in fear anymore. You don't have to worry about tomorrow anymore. Because listen, if you know that your father is for you, then who in the world could ever be against you? Amen. God is going to work it out. God's going to make it happen. Listen, I'm here to tell you everything, everything, everything is going to be all right. Because your father is going to take care of you. Your father is going to be there for you. Your father is not going to let anything happen to you. See, many of us today, yes, yes, we, we, we know we're sons. We know we're daughters. The problem is we don't tap into the access that we have. Some of you live in insecurities. Anybody struggle with insecurities in here? Amen. I do. But see, insecurity is a sign that you're not trusting the Father. Insecurity is a lie from the devil that you're going to mess it up. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. But the problem is, if God called you, then God will equip you. If God will equip you, then God will take care of it. If God's going to take care of it, it's going to work itself out. You've just got to trust and you've got to believe in God. The last character of the stories we see is the, the father. In all the story, you see the father doing nothing but receiving, never Rejecting, loving, never hating. He never becomes harsh with them. He, he's never tough on them. It's always when the first the son first comes and says, God, I want my inheritance. He said, okay. When the son comes home, after rejecting God, running from God, leaving God, there's God. There's the father waiting for him. There's the father waiting. And I say God because we know what this story is. It's symbolic of our Heavenly Father and us. We see the part where the father and the older son, and to me, one of the greatest parts of this story, many times we talk about the prodigal son. To me, one of the greatest parts of this story is the older son. Because I believe that most time most of our churches are made up not of the prodigal sons, but the older son. You come to church every Sunday, you sit in the pew, but you don't know who you are. You haven't grasped a hold of the truth that you are a child of the Most High God, that you are blessed and not cursed, that you are the top and not the bottom. You haven't grabbed a hold of the truth that you're not the sum of the mistakes that you made, but you're the sum of the destiny that God has in store for you. See, as a son or daughter of God, you don't focus on what you don't have. You focus on what God's given you. 
There's about three things I do okay. I preach, I lead, and I cast vision. That's about it. Everything else I'm not too good at. In fact, we had to do some work at the other campus this week, and I was working, and Friday, Saturday, I came back, and my Lord, I'm 52 years old, and my body reminded me this week I was 52 years old. My sides were hurting, my back was hurting, my eyeballs were hurting, my eyelids were hurting, my fingers were hurting. I think my fingernails were hurting. There's only a few things I do with it, but you know what? The child of the Most High God says, God, you've put me exactly where I need to be. And God, I don't focus on anymore what I don't have. I focus on what I do have. God, I'm not going to focus on anymore what I did in the past. I'm going to focus on what I'm going to do in the future. I'm not going to worry, God. Look, God, I've come to a realization that I didn't get saved because I did anything but what you did. God, I've come to a realization that I am who you've called me to be, not because of my talents and my giftings and not because how good I am, but because you called me, equipped me, and enabled me, and that's what I'll come to a realization, and I'll know that I am a son, and I'll know that I am a daughter, and God, that's good enough for me. I want you to stand with me. I want you to learn a phrase today if you learn nothing else from this service. I am a son or I am a daughter. I've been grafted in. I've been adopted. What I don't want you to do is run away from God. Let your insecurities, your fears. My brother told a story of how they had got a girl and three of their siblings that had came to the children's home. They'd gone through the process. The family had come back to take them back and the children's home in essence said, we're telling you, we know the story. Don't let them go back. In fact, they didn't want to go back. They had fell in love with the children's home and where they were. But the family took them. Went back home. Within a few weeks, that girl got killed in a gang shooting. And my brother had to go to that funeral. See, the devil will do whatever he can to pull you from your role as a son. And the devil will do whatever he can to pull you from your role as a daughter. But I'm telling you, your God will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never give up on you. He's always sitting on the porch looking out, waiting for you to come home. And when you come, he's, he's going to love you, receive you just the way you are. And even when you're bitter and broken, He'll still love you. See, some of you aren't the younger son. You're the older son. You're so bitter. Life hasn't turned out the way you thought. Things didn't go the way you thought they were going to go. And you're mad at life and you're mad at God, but I'm here to tell you, even in the bitterness and the brokenness and what has happened in your life, I'm here to tell you, God still loves you. And if you'll just cry out to him, if you'll just talk to the father, even in your, listen, I'm pretty sure it was a heated argument between the dad and the son. 
Can I tell you today that your God can even take your anger? He can take you lashing out. Because at least he's having a conversation with you. He's waiting for you. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today, you've been struggling with that orphan heart, feeling like you don't belong. You're all by yourself, rejected, abandoned, no one cares. Struggle with insecurities in your life. If that's you today, I just want you to right now raise your hand. Yes. Yes. Lord, I see all the hands that are raised. I pray right now, this hour, at this very moment, that you would remind them, Lord, that they, they are sons and daughters of yours. You have received them, accepted them. You love them, and you will never abandon them. That you'll always, always be right there with them. I just pray that you bless them right now. Take away the insecurities, the fear, the rejection, the abandonment, and let them be filled with the love and the security and the confidence of God. I pray right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, one last question. If you're here today and you don't know the Father, you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, say, Pastor, if I were to die today, I don't know where I'm going. But I don't want to leave this service without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the Lord of my life. It is so simple. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. Believe that he is a son of the living God, died on a cross, rose on the third day, and with your mouth confess him Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. No one's looking, just you being the Lord. If you would like to give your heart and life to Christ today, I just want you to slip up your hand right where you are. I've had two raise their hand. Give God praise. Praise the Lord. This is already three today. We had one at the other campus this morning, so praise God. Amen. I want all of you to say this prayer with me, not just the two that raise their hand, but I want all of you to say this prayer with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. As two new names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. In all my ways, I repent and I come to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. Give God praise. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.